Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We are proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title, Christmas Kisses with My Cowboy, featuring three stories from best-selling authors Diana Palmer, Marina Adair, and Kate Pierce. Enjoy this holiday romance anthology featuring three cowboys who are ready for love, whether they know it yet or not. The first is Mistletoe Cowboy by Diana Palmer, which tells the story of Parker, a horse whisperer not looking for love until he meets winsome widow Katie and her sweet child. Blame It on the Mistletoe by Marina Adair shows Texas Ranger Noah forced back at his family ranch. A storm and power outage leads him to rescue an intriguing woman named Faith, but who's rescuing who? And finally, Mistletoe Detour by Kate Pierce shows rancher Ted unexpectedly finding his old high school friend Veronica on the lam. You can find Christmas Kisses with My Cowboy wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pemberley Podcast. This week, we are sharing kind of some Jane Austen news, which is also exciting. Recently, the wonderful people at Gib Smith reached out to us and wanted to tell us all about this exciting new game that's launched, and we wanted to also share it with all of you. I'm really excited to be talking about this game because, unfortunately, I have not had the occasion to play it yet. Because they recommend four players and up, and I've been so good at quarantining that I have not <laughs> yes. been in the same room with three other people I know. in some time. So it's called the Parlor Game, Pride and Prejudice Edition. The format is basically a card game that's – the format is like Cards Against Humanities, where you've got prompt cards, and then you've got ten, seven to ten individual cards. You put one down. Everyone puts their answers face down. The judge chooses. Winner takes home the prompt card. First to ten wins. I can't wait to play this because I'm looking at some of the prompt cards right now. We've got a classic one that's it's a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of blank. We've got other ones such as my ideal date would show up at my apartment with blank. My favorite English professor in college was quite blank. (laughs) And then, you know, you put down your fun answers. I feel like we've played a version of this game before. Like we've played like a meme version of this game, right? Yes, that was for um, your and my friend Abby at her birthday last year. Someone brought a this style of card game, but for memes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was interesting because I I feel like memes make the most sense online, but I can't wait for like my kids to find this game one day and be <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense at all so i'm really excited to play this hopefully with other people who appreciate pride and prejudice because anyone can play it but i feel like it's the most fun when you get a bunch of jane austen nerds in a room together so the next time we can be in a room full of jane austen nerds i can't wait to make this happen i know which i guess in a way then makes this game kind of timeless because it is just directly pulling quotes from the book so that should be a lot of fun hopefully someday soon we'll be able to play this game but in the meantime 
meantime, if you are able to play it and you would like to either find out more about the game or purchase it for yourself, you can go to gibbs-smith.com or lovelitgifts.com. I was exploring lovelitgifts.com for the first time. I hadn't heard about them until this game, and I recommend their stuff because if you're our demographic, you love reading, you love books, you love nerd things, and this website has all of that. If you're like, ugh, I'm really short on bookish tote bags, like, what's wrong (laughs) with me? That's what you're going to find, and more. So with that, we can go into talking about recipe for persuasion. Previously, Ashna was dealing with some heavy emotional issues and had a breakthrough when she made her first non-Baba recipe since Paris. Also, Rico is half agony, half hope, which is very exciting that we got that book quote direct in here. So that's really cool to see. So diving into chapter 27, China has made up a work event for Ashna where she plans to imbibe and it will not be safe for her to drive home. So would she do her the honor of taking her car out of the way? And Ashna's like, all right, okay, fine, whatever. So she goes to leave with China's car and sees Rico just man with a driver and uh, is not going anywhere, which if I were her, I'd be like, what is the point of a driver if he's never there? But she takes pity on him and offers him a ride home. He says something that's just like so sweet and so spot on where he says, why do you do that? He said, not bothering to hide the wave of emotions in his eyes. Do what? Care with your actions when you're trying so hard not to care with your heart. I actually like had to stop reading at this point and I was like, because it's true. Like she's trying so hard not to like him, but she still wants to be nice to him. She still wants to treat him with kindness because she still cares about him as a person, even though she's trying to not date him and trying not to fall for him. She still cares about him as a person. So really, this is like the first time that they're alone together and like, There's no possible distractions of them being in the car together. I think Rico has tried to be in this scenario with Ashna where he's tried to like kind of talk to her before they're about to start filming, but then someone always bursts in about something about the shoot or something about any details that they need to go over. So they've never really been able to have a normal conversation. So really now there's kind of no place to escape for either of them. Like they have to have some kind of interaction that's not about the shoot show which is great for us to see but I love that even like they both realize like there's this line here that says they wrote in silence that would have been companionable if not for the electricity arcing between their bodies so it's just like they're both very aware of each other and now the fact that they're even in closer proximity it's just that awareness has been heightened they can't escape it (laughs) no and this chapter is from Ashna's perspective so we've seen this from Rico a lot where he's like he wants her he sees her he's obsessed with her hair she's now like crap i can't take my hands off of him i really want to touch him and so you know she's planning on driving him quite a ways home for home and then he's like actually i'm not going home would you mind dropping me off at washington square and she's like okay bummer that's not that far away she drops him off and then a phone rings that's not hers and so she's like whose phone is this and answers and he's like hey it's rico i left my phone in your car would you mind bringing it in so she parks the car goes into the hotel where he sees that he's swarmed by these female soccer players and he's like oh my god i just ran into these women soccer players and they're down a person would you want 
to play a game with him. <laughs> Very Cinderella of him to uh, leave something behind and then not offer to be like, oh, I'll just meet you outside and I'll grab my phone from you and you can just like keep going on your way home. No, he's like, oh, can you park, come in and bring my phone? And like, what great timing that there just so happens to be a soccer team and they happen to be a player short. And oh my goodness, there just happens to be a uniform and shoes in her size. Uh, yeah. So that she can suit up and join the game. He reminds me so much in this moment of one of my favorite Ben Wyatt moments from Parks and Rec where he wants to prove that he's a good prankster. So <laughs> he sets up a really elaborate prank and he walks into, it's April and Andy and Donna. Oh, I just remembered. Can I show you something out to the front area? And leave your cell phones uh, because of no reason. Just leave anything that can't get wet, actually, like you would normally. Okay, here we go to the parking lot now. In that moment, the actor, Adam Scott, is just a tremendously amazing at being a bad actor. And then we learn about the elaborateness of his prank. But I, I feel like that's Rico, where he's like, oh, yes, thank you for my phone. You know, their kicker has the flu. <laughs> and also, I remembered that you wear a seven and a half shoe. So here's that. If you wanted to play, it's whatever. It just like all just came together. <laughs> but she agrees to it. And she joins them. It's great because we see Ashna experience this joy and this inner peace just that we haven't seen this whole time. It says, the game went on for a lifetime. It was done in a flash. We're reminded and she's reminded that this is what she loves to do. This is her real first love. She even has like this phrase that kind of comes back to her that she used to say to herself all the time when she was playing soccer in high school, which is not past these hands. She kind of like goes right back into her extremely competitive self. No one's going to get the ball past her and like and she's going to go out there and do the best she can too. So even though being in the kitchen isn't something that comes natural to her, it's something she really has had to fight to be okay with doing. Soccer is the complete opposite. She kind of just falls back into it so easily as if there's been no time at all since she's played. And even the fact that, you know, like this women's league, they're an indoor soccer women's league. They offer for like, hey, if you want to come and join us, like these are the days we we play and we practice. You know, she doesn't want to commit to anything because this is like jumping back into something she hasn't thought about in years. So she just gives like a non-committal, like I'll think about it, I'll let you know. She says like by the time they were walking back to the parking lot, Ashna was exploding out of her skin. Something like this rush she hasn't felt in so long has suddenly come back into her life. And you know, I think that's part of what Shobi and Rico are constantly trying to remind her of or constantly see of like don't you remember like how good it was at least for Rico he's like don't you remember how happy you were playing soccer like isn't that something you, you would love to do again and this was his kind of way of like trying to push her and trick her in into doing it again he even says like sorry I didn't just like ask you like could, would you want to play because like I think he's right in thinking like she would have said no like she would have made it an excuse gone home and been like oh you know another time so in doing it in this way like even though it was a little tricky staged. Like, yeah staged and tricky like she did it which is what he was hoping for and i think it really shows 
one of the things I really love about the love that Rico has for Ashna and vice versa is just how unselfish it is because he just had this inkling that she needed to get back out there and she needed to do what she loves. He really orchestrated this. Like he made it happen. And definitely with this attitude of like, if you don't want to, you don't have to. But like he went out of his way to make sure, to like put her in a situation where it was difficult for her to say no. And he was right because she loves it. And I I love the idea of her joining these ladies and playing soccer, whatever, twice or three times a week so that she can really get back into it and feel like she's part of a team again. And hopefully she's grateful for it too. I mean, he he pays her another very high compliment where he calls her fierce. It's crazy because they have a conversation about soccer because here they are, this girl who's so talented at it and so in love with it and she gave it up. And this other guy who it sounds like he was not that into soccer when they were teenagers and he's made a career out of it. He asks her, why did you give up football? And she ends with, I grew up. She's just so internalized this idea that like, as an adult, and especially I'm sure it has to do with the guilt that she carries over her father's death. Like, I'm not allowed to have fun. I'm not allowed to enjoy myself. It was actually really great to see them have this conversation because I think this is one of the questions he has for her of like, why would you give up something you love? Her response isn't really like an answer either. It's just like, oh, you just want to like put me down in a way (laughs) and move past this conversation. But they are standing close to each other and and it almost feels like something might happen between them. But then she says that and then like the moment's kind of over, the moment's passed. And so they kind of move on. That's where things end for this chapter. So then going into chapter 28... It basically picks up right where we left off, where Ashna is now driving Rico home for real after she packs up her stuff and showers. And I only noticed that because I love the sentence in the beginning of the chapter where he says, God, her hair smelled like magic, or he thinks it to himself. We kind of learn, or Ashna learns what a puppet master he is because she's like, hey, how'd you make this happen? Like, how did you give let China give me her car? And how'd you get these ladies to let me play? And it turns out he was doing his agent a favor by taking pictures with them. And so he asked for a favor in return. This is not a big detail, but it's something I want to mention that Ashna can drive a manual transmission, which I think is very impressive because I don't know anyone under the age of 50 who can do that. (laughs) I briefly tried to learn how to drive manual and it's very difficult. Really? Yeah. It's just like this balance between the two pedals and they're like, once you get it, you got it. But I'm like, uh, or I could just have an automatic and uh, be fine. But actually, the fact that Rico is so impressed by it, he even says like, there was something so insanely hot about it. That reminded me of like the on TikTok, I've seen this one guy, I think I've sent you his videos, but there's this guy who like cuts fruit. He does it to like easygoing music and so people are obsessed with him because like he makes like eye contact with the camera and then he also put out a video of like driving manual um, his manual car and people were like oh my goodness and it's really like it takes nothing for people to become super popular on tiktok but still it was like this reminds me of that I remember that. He's the guy who's the living version of an indie song. Yes. <laughs> and it's funny because I remember one time watching a movie or a TV show years ago with my dad where like someone was struggling to drive a manual transmission. And my dad was like, you know, it's really not that hard. Like if you learn it that way, it's not that hard. I feel like they're really <laughs> faking it by making it hard in the movies. I feel like it's very validating to hear you say it's actually hard because now I'm just like, it is hard. You're just old. <laughs> 
I was also probably like 15 or 16 when I tried to learn. So it was like right when I was still trying to learn how to drive. So maybe that's why I got frustrated and was like, never mind. <laughs> so it could also well, be I- different if I tried to learn now. Who knows? It's still valuable to learn if you ever want to go on the amazing race, basically. We have options. Ashna <laughs> is a baller. She is fierce and she knows how to do it. And Rico was very turned on by it. They start just like talking about life because he's like, how is it running the restaurant when you're doing the show? And she talks about how her aunt Mina has really stepped up. And then we get into, a, he's like, how is your mom? Is she in Shreveport? And she's like, actually, she's here. She is staying with me. He remembers that, like, back in the day, her whole family was really off limits. But, like, she never, ever wanted to talk about her father because she worshipped him. But also he was drunk all the time and she was, like, really ashamed of him and there was so much to protect. But her mom, she never had any problem publicly hating. Like, she didn't hide the fact that she hated that her mom left and put her career above her family. And so he figures this is a safe topic of conversation. Yeah, he's like trying to get personal with her without like overstepping either because he's like, all right, I'm in like this really safe territory where she's responding to me. We're not arguing. We're not mad at each other. He's trying to be careful about how he's approaching it too, which is very thoughtful of him. I think that's the one thing about Rico is like he is very considerate of Ashna. Like he doesn't fully know what she's going through. But like even when that moment where she did confide in him for a quick second of like, I can't cook. He was like, what? He didn't take it as like, what's wrong with you? He took it as like, a, okay, like, how do we work together through this? Or how can I best help you? He doesn't fully know like why her mom might be a touchy subject. He doesn't know like the full reasoning behind that. But he's like, I know for some reason it's tough to talk about. So I'm going to tiptoe around it and not push her. He's great, basically. But he, he is, he is, I mean, that has been established. The other thing that's really interesting about this conversation between the two of them is he doesn't want to push, but he is encouraging her to get to know, because he says on 342, let me guess, she's having a large life moment. She wants to go back and examine all the things that went wrong. And he's dead on, because that's totally what's happening here. He's not trying to be pushy, but he's definitely encouraging Ashna to work it out with Shobi. He even says on 345, maybe your energy is better served in understanding the wound rather than wishing it wasn't there, which is very insightful. And another insight that we get is his parents are dead. He would kill to be fighting with them or disagreeing with them because they'd still be there and they'd still be alive and they'd still be a family. Ashna's never considered the fact that she's taking her mother for granted because in the show we've talked about Never Have I Ever before, but, and this is kind of a spoiler if you haven't seen it, so like, don't listen to me if you haven't finished it, but you know, Davy's whole arc over the season is overcoming and healing from her father's death. And she gets in a huge fight with her mom towards the end of the season where she tells her, I wish you had died instead. Because her mom is the one who's more critical of her, who is trying to move her back to India. And so I feel I see like a really similar dynamic here. Obviously, she doesn't say, I wish you'd been the one who died to her mother. But I think that when Brahm died, she was like, oh, the only parent who loves me and who I love has died. So even though she's not an orphan, 
I feel like psychologically, she really thinks to herself, I don't have parents, you know, I don't have a mother who is like the loving, caring mothers. Like, Auntie Mina is more like a mother to me than, like, Shobi is. I think it's really good that Rico is sort of stepping up here and saying, speaking as someone who lost his mother at a very young age, trust me, getting over yourself and forgiving her is going to be a much more rewarding experience than ignoring her for the rest of your life. I think, too, what's interesting is the fact that they're having this conversation now when they could have had it when they were teenagers. The fact that he knows it's a touchy subject, he like maybe Ashna hinted toward it back then, but because, you know, she's so good at separating her family life from her school life, from her Rico life, he didn't fully know the details, but I feel like he could have been such a great help to her back then, but because she was so closed off about it and didn't want the boxes to intersect, he couldn't help her and he couldn't give the advice that maybe would have helped her back then. But, you know, I think too, Ashna may be in a different place now. She's maybe more receptive to what he could say, but it's like these wounds of, of being a teenager that are still haunting her and she can't really process through. I think right now Rico is just focused on like, how do I be a good friend to Ashna? How am I there for her in a way that maybe she wouldn't let him before that's part of like what they're still trying to figure out like who are they to each other are they friends are they more than that because clearly there's like just too much history for it to just be nothing when it was nothing for so long it was like they were both hurting and they were missing each other without even realizing it and there yeah i feel like this is really i mean it's crazy because we're more than 75 percent of the way through the book and this is the first real conversation that they're having with each other, truly, yeah. where like, even though they're not talking about the fact that they were together and had a horrible, ugly breakup and haven't even talked to each other or acknowledged each other over 12 years, this is the first real conversation where they're kind of acknowledging that he knows a lot about her. He knows about her family and her parents and she let him, like, she didn't let him all the way in, but she kind of let him in. He says, you know, your mother isn't someone you can just cut out of your life. If you could, you would have by now. And she says, or you find a way to stop the person from being essential to you. And I think that's just such a heartstrings moment that really like proves the depths of the compartmentalization in Ashna's mind, where she just has been working for all of these years to make her mother unimportant to her. So that mm -hmm. she isn't so deeply hurt by her leaving them behind. And even in talking about like how like he would do anything to have like another moment with his parents or his mom, he would do anything to have another chance with Ashna, which is like something that I don't think he's fully acknowledged within himself. Like this is him also acknowledging like, no, I do want her back. I do want to be with her again. You know, he came into this without a real plan. He was just like, I need to somehow be in the same room as Ashna Rajay and throw her off her game and we're gonna be stuck competing on a, on a cooking show for weeks, but didn't really have like an end game or plan. And now he's suddenly realizing like, oh, like the plans kind of backfired on me and I've not only... I'm not only back in like in love with Ashna Rajay, but like he's trying to figure out like how do I have another chance with her? Part of it is making an excuse to be in the same car as her and, and be in the same space as her. And they're both trying to figure out like what's next for them. She brings up like, hey, you're retiring from playing, being a famous soccer player. 
what are you going to do next? And he talks about like his father was a coach when he retired from playing. One of the things that I think Rico is really struggling with is he admits that his favorite thing about soccer is just the single mindedness of it. Of like, once you're in the game, all you see is the ball and your only goal is like getting it across the field into that goal, whatever. Like it's really the action that he loves. So all the sort of common avenues that athletes take once you're too old to be an athlete or you've been injured is like you are a coach or you're a sports commentator or I don't know, you have your own car dealership. Like (laughs) those are some avenues. Truly the thing that he loves the most about soccer is something that he loses once he's not a player anymore. So he truly has no idea what his next move is because even though Ashna is the one that's so deeply passionate and talented at soccer, Rico only likes this one part of it. It's really just like what he loves about soccer is that it's immersive and he can push out his problems in his life and his trauma when he's in the game. And if he's not in the game, he doesn't want to be soccer adjacent. He wants to play soccer. So like he doesn't know what his next step is. And I think that's really scary. Which kind of like ending on that heavy conversation that they're having, they get to Rico's real destination where he's going to be dropped off. We cannot miss this, but somehow they were holding hands because like their desire to touch each other is so strong. They're just like, we just got to grab onto each other in some way. So as like the valet is coming to to get Rico's door, he like is still holding her hand and then kisses her fingers and then lets go and he leaves for the night. So it's like, oh my goodness, things are happening between them. We've made contact. (laughs) Yeah. And then even then he's like, that tiny bit of contact is like for him, he's like, now I want to go back and like still be near her and be with her. But they kind of just have like that one moment. Well, I mean, there wasn't a ton of action in this chapter, but a lot sort of was unpacked. You know, we got to see some mommy issues from (laughs) both of their sides. Yeah. and, And there was questions about the future, what comes next. I feel like something that's unsaid, but is still very much there is what's next for the two of them. So will Ashna and Rico get together? Will they overcome their past trauma and class issues and everything else to form a more permanent romantic relationship? Tune in for next week's episode of Recipe for Persuasion. 